Hello. We're recording. How are you? Good. Are you ignoring me because you're on your phone? No. <laughs> Whoa, that was loud. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Watch yourself. Um, that's closer than I'm used to. Um, no, I was looking at our topics, which I put in my phone. Well done. What are you thinking? I have three topics. Okay. Well, four, technically, but... So, um, so the first one I have on my list is um, lessons learned from the ACX experience. Okay, so do we want to fill somebody in or anyone who may be listening on what the hell actually happened in November? Because it seems like November's been like this big clusterfuck of a month, and I feel that we should maybe set the stage for what happened or what we wanted to do. Well, we talked about it, didn't we? We ta- I guess we did, didn't we? So, I lost track of time. So okay, well, we started recording audiobooks or trying to <laughs> for ACX, which is the Audiobook Creation Exchange. It's the Amazon program, and um, we got three projects, two of which we learned <laughs> were scams. Yeah, and so. The first one we got was the the this Christian children's book. It looked like a big deal. Um and we finished it. Yeah. We read the whole thing. And then I got another project which was a nonfiction academic text and then I got another project which was a poetry collection by a fairly well-known author. So those two, the poetry book and the Christian's children's book, seemed like big deals because the authors were big. They were well ranked on Amazon. But the problem is that, and what we learned is, big publishing companies like that do not go to ACX to publish audiobooks, to, to produce audiobooks. Right. So what happens is, these scammers will list these books on ACX for unsuspecting suckers and <laughs> <laughs> and they I don't really understand the scam exactly but it has something to do with they well, contract somebody to produce the audiobook so they don't have to do all the work because Amazon or Audible gives out these promo codes if you produce yeah, and, a, and, a, a audiobooks of a certain length. Right, but essentially the audiobook at the end of the day does not matter to them because right. they just want the posting that will give these folks the uh, the codes that they need to provide, I guess, access to Audible. Yeah. So I, as far as I knew it, um, I was doing some research as, after you know the whole fiasco and some folks were saying that that was not as prominent mm-hmm. as... It used to happen before, because I guess this was pretty rampant earlier, but they kind of cracked down on it. But the biggest thing for us, maybe, and, and you can kind of share your your perspective on this too, was just we didn't know how to check this information when mm-hmm. we first started. Like, we had no real idea of where to go look to see if this was a real posting or not. Like, we thought that they were all, like, somewhat vetted. Yeah, right? we, we couldn't distinguish. We didn't know how to distinguish, and we didn't really know we had to distinguish between scam posts and legitimate posts because i just thought that audible or amazon or somebody was policing that and turns out they're not (laughs) like not at all yeah 
So this is an open marketplace. Anybody's uncle can post on here. And so it's up to the consumer or the producer, I guess, the person producing the audiobook or auditioning for the for the audiobook to determine if the posting is legitimate or not. Yeah. And there are several ways we've learned to determine that. And so now we're sort of armed with this knowledge going into this that um <sighs> that will help us sift through the the you know the spam, I guess you could say. Yeah, and I I feel like Yes, it was very disappointed. And I think that just the optics of the situation, you know, because we were so close to it and we were really investing a lot of time and effort into it, it really felt like things were kind of chugging along. And we got into a, a pattern, at least, you know, in, in the first couple of weeks when we were able to crank out that book, it felt like we were getting it, like we were in our flow. And I think everything else kind of became an afterthought. You know, like verifying mm -hmm. the the book and whether that was a legitimate thing, because it didn't cross my mind once. Like yeah. when we first got the thing, it's like, oh well, I guess this is what happens. And in ACX, you do your audition and then you you continue. Um, but I feel like at the end of the day, we are heavily armed with new knowledge about how to do this because even during the course of this reading that we did initially that now we can't use now we can't really do anything with it we've learned what to do at least you know and i'm speaking for myself here but you on the tech on the performance side you got better i think like as it went along you started performing at a like higher better rate because you were getting more comfortable with it and i felt like i was really getting to the specifics of how i could make it better on the technical side of it and it was fun i mean i i still feel like that was a good experience yeah i thought we really like nailed down our workflow <laughs> yeah um which yeah. i guess was great honestly because i mean i guess most people just do that on their first job and hope for the best but we kind of got like a practice round without meaning to um so you know like i had a really like mixed emotions initially like at first i was like so upset and yeah. then um the you know you just feel stupid that you got duped and then you kind of realize and then uh, like once i contacted acx directly and was like look i think we got played i think these are fraudulent postings i you know asking them pretty much to like vet the validity of these projects and they instantly canceled both of them so yeah. um <laughs> i was like yeah okay well we were right um right so once that happened, I was like, I was like, okay, well, at least they didn't ignore me and we aren't stuck in these contracts. Um, they just canceled them, which was good. Yeah. So I didn't, we didn't feel like we were tied into it and we couldn't get out of it. Um, and then on the other side, I was like, God, we put so much work. Yeah. And honestly, I was less that. concerned with the contracts and more concerned about you because we worked really hard. Like yeah. this month, I think was exhausting because we were putting in so much into this thing that we were like, okay, it's our first book. We got to make it the best thing that we can with what we have right now. And so like you were working, you know, looking over the text, you know, as we were putting our kid to sleep and then, you know, I'd be trying to come up with like the best way to like do noise canceling here 
in the basement and everything was just toward this one single purpose. And then when you get to the finish line and then you realize something's not right and then the rug just completely gets pulled from under you, you you are left with just a lot of emotions on it. It was like, okay, well, where does that effort go? Where where do I put these feelings? And Yeah, and so initially I was only suspicious of the poetry collection. But yeah. then and then I thought about it more and I was using these double checks that I learned about. I was like, "Oh no." <laughs> and so I went to the other the the children the children's book and I double checked that one and I was like, "God damn it." Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah that was disappointing because we did finish it. Thankfully mm-hmm. with the poetry collection all we did was just do the, the 15 minutes yeah. which was kind of a lot of work and it was like half the book because it's a poetry collection <laughs> but at least we didn't do the whole thing yeah um and we nearly did um so <laughs> lessons were learned um the, the the very bright side of all of this so there was a third project that i was hired to do in between these two projects it's a non-fiction book an academic text that one checked out. So I got a job <laughs> on my merit that was legitimate. So yeah, yeah. of all the, the shittiness to come out of the situation, at least I have that. Um, right. And I looked into the uh, production company. It's all on the up and up. <laughs> it's, it's like I found the name of the person that I've been corresponding with and it's fine. So, yeah. Um. But yeah, so I'm excited to do that. Yeah. And even as, as we kind of try to get over this fog of, of disappointment over this, I look at the work that we're doing and I'm not really going to listen to what we have because I know and I've listened to it as I've edited and listened to you do the readings. You're doing amazing work. And as I as we continue to do this, it's, it's only going to get better and we're going to keep getting better at it. But we just really have to be humble about this and just say, well, fuck it. I mean, this is one big learning experience, but like I said earlier, at least we're not catching it a year later asking, mm-hmm. I'm not getting paid for my 400 <laughs> books that I did or however many, you know, with yeah. my thumb up my ass, like what's going to happen now? Oh, yeah. And it's encouraging that we're on the right path now and we know what to do. So what would you say are the lessons to take away from this? Uh, specifically or more generally specifically um do your research (laughs) before you start doing projects um vet every post um don't just take it at its word don't trust the thing yeah and there's a lot of resources online to help you uh sort of root out the real ones yeah. Um, and it's once you know what you to, what to look for, it's pretty easy to see when it's not legitimate. Yeah. Um, so that's that's good that it's not like you're not having to like do a bunch of detective work. It's pretty pretty easy to spot once you know what you're looking for. Um, and then just if you do get taken for a ride, <laughs> try not to let it just completely destroy you. Because mm-hmm. I felt I felt pretty bad for about twelve hours. Like, yeah, you know, we I found out this. I don't know what, like, what possessed me to 
look into it more but it was like 10 30 at night yeah it, well, and it I, was, it was i just got this like this this i don't know what the phrase is this like worm in my ear bee in my bonnet there it is <laughs> <laughs> i got a bee in my bonnet about uh, i just was feeling suspicious about the whole situation i was like something about this feels off to me well we said we were talking and we were on our way to go to sleep yeah like we were done for the week i mean we we're gonna start over on monday mm -hmm. and late sunday night and we go what if what if this doesn't add up i mean this doesn't add yeah up. well you said mm -hmm. you said what if this isn't you said something like what if this isn't real or what if we're what if something what if this isn't real and i was like well there's a possibility it couldn't be real and I was like, I wonder if there's a way to, uh, yeah, to, to verify. verify that. And there, there are, and there is. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Just trust your instincts. If it feels too good to be true, it probably is. And I know that that's something that people say just in general in life, but <laughs> I forgot that for a hot minute. And yeah. I think another thing that we talked about was you want something this great to be true right you want like this could be you know when you think in terms of like life-changing things you're not necessarily going to um even though you saw the the red flags you were willing to ignore them in order to sort of fulfill the fantasy that yeah. you have in your head and that's sort of the the curious thing about our situation was that both of us we're sitting there staring this manuscript in the face, that audition, and not once did we question, not because we didn't want to, but because something in our brains just like completely shut down that part of our brain, the area of our brain that second guesses or hesitates to, to make that choice because it was like there was a kind of fulfillment happening right there where I was like, yeah, we're doing the thing that we that we want to do that we're setting out to do this is right in front of me i'm going to tackle it i'm going to do it and there was no hesitation no reservation about any of it and our rational behaviors like we're not that kind of people right who, who just kind of like dive all the way in i think you and i together kind of hesitate and and question accordingly because we want to get to the bottom of it we want to be fairly judicious about pretty much everything that we do and realizing that i think that maybe that's why it hurt so much that day was where did my where did that instinct go where did that little alert sign you know in your body go when you needed it mm -hmm. it was kind of a peculiar thing mm -hmm. that happened because it just shut down it was just yeah. like it wasn't even there at all <clears throat> yeah yeah but, and i think just not having the full picture going into it was probably contributed to that. I just, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I had read maybe one or two things about scams on ACX, mm -hmm. but it, it didn't occur to me <clears throat> or I didn't understand that it was as prolific as it is. I just thought, yeah, probably one or two of the listings are scams, but I'm probably going to know. 
yeah i'll know when it's a scam i mean it's gonna be clear it'll seem pretty obvious but yeah, there's like degrees of it a nigerian prince emailing me about an audition or something and so yeah um i don't know i just didn't but you know i think the biggest red flag that we should have seen was that there was no clear instruction Mm -hmm. from these people like you were offered the job you accepted and then it was like okay here you go but with the legitimate one that we got there was a clear instruction of this is what you got to do this is what you got to do at this point and it was fairly you know concise mm -hmm. whereas the other folks there was no direction yeah it was just like and nothing. very little correspondence yeah if any yeah so it leaves a lot to to kind of think about, but let this be a warning to you all who are venturing into this lovely world of audiobooks, because honestly, being, again, coming to the upside of this whole thing, I am so excited and it's very thrilling to be able to do something with you that's at this capacity. And we've talked about this, you know, through most of November is like, you get to do something that you're very good at. You get to do something that you're, um, that is allowing you to challenge yourself and, and put out something. Mm -hmm. And I'm here to support that. And it feels so good to be able to help you in this capacity, to collaborate with you on this capacity. Yeah. You know, because I don't have to perform, you know, we're like, yeah. I, I can go and do that in the other podcasts or whatever, but this is like the perfect way for us to do something together and i'm just i'm so excited for it mm -hmm. you know because it'd be nice to do something legitimate together <laughs> well we are you know we got our first real book now yeah confirmed yeah and <laughs> vetted so that's just going to be the beginning but mm -hmm. it's been a i also think like the issues we've had with acx are also forcing not forcing us but encouraging us to look elsewhere Mm -hmm. to look for to look at the other yeah. avenues that you can that you can pursue right to do this well we had this moment right where we said okay well there's uh now find away voices and fiverr and mm -hmm. um you mentioned another one i, I can't remember well uh, i was just looking at like a list of different ways you can alternatives right like how yeah you like could you know going through audiobook production houses or yeah casting calls or whatever different right. things like that um, but I, I had this like kind of curious moment because I also am working on my, or I was working on my poetry collection, uh, through Amazon as well. Mm -hmm. And it was like, oh, look, you know, on one weekend we're doing the audiobook on ACX and then I'm doing my poetry collection here and then I'm going to buy something on Amazon and then I'm going to go vote on Amazon.com or whatever. <laughs> like they are just sucking up all of these markets Ooh. and it's, it's incredible to see it like take over your life because we were on amazon like all weekend essentially yeah like shopping for christmas presents and you know doing all kinds of things like that and it's kind of disheartening because as we looked at some of these other options like amazon as acx was eating up all of this yeah all of these markets you yeah. know well it, i think it it specifically it eats up the indie self-publishing market yeah like yeah all those other things are like you know, published through publishers and not that there aren't publishers on ACX, but, but yeah, like it's definitely like sucking all the oxygen out of the room for yeah. other platforms like it 
which but is, you know, what Amazon what they do. is best at. Yeah. yeah, they just acquire and acquire and yeah. dispose of whatever they and don't suppress need. suppress everything around them that yeah. could compete with them, potentially. Right. Yeah. But yet, here we are, we're beholden to the system now because that's how we get our, you know, our shit. That's how we advance our, our own. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean. Our own uh If you want to move forward, yeah. yeah um but otherwise i mean all good things i mean these are these are superficial things in the scale of things yeah. in the grand scheme of things yes the world is on fire but um we've learned a lot and uh, we're excited for the next chapter of this which is beginning next week yeah when we start reading again mm-hmm. and producing awesome work and i'm really excited to do this to do this new one so yeah so uh, we'll have some developments on that folks and it'll be pretty awesome and we've been uh, complaining about acx for about 20 minutes now so maybe we should move on to we the had next a lot thing. to say about it yeah yeah a lot of well speaking so because i've been immersed in audiobooks the performing part of it i've also been exploring i i went away from audiobooks for a few years when i started this job i'm in now because i find that listening to audiobooks while i'm working uh it's distracting yeah uh so i don't do it often although i've been doing it more lately um mostly because i'm curious about how i i obviously like listening to the audiobooks is fun and i like listening to the stories but now i'm listening to them from this other angle of the performance aspect of it yeah um but anyway so i was i listened to an audiobook this past couple weeks called I'll Be Gone in the Dark by Michelle McNamara. And it's the book that she, well, the book that was compiled from her research. Um, She's uh, the Golden State Killer. And her husband, Patton Oswalt, and um, a research assistant of hers and some other people compiled this book. Um. From, from her, her notes from and her research all yeah. that yeah um and so i i listened to that and so what was your reaction from that like initially when you finished the book which was today i mean it what was, was today um, emotional gut punch yeah so um the book is intense and by the end of it um the afterward is uh narrated by her husband her Patton Oswalt and um it was very emotional like listening to him talk about her and her work and um yeah. and for some who who don't know she passed suddenly mm-hmm. before she was able to even you know compile the book she had a brain aneurysm is no, that it or I thought that's what happened but I guess she had um she had comp i can't remember exactly but she yeah oh yeah she had an undiagnosed heart condition Mm. that was exacerbated by she was on anti-anxiety medication pain medication and something else Mm -hmm. i can't remember what else but um so she was mixing i mean Mm -hmm. mixing medications but that shouldn't have killed her yeah but because she had this undiagnosed heart condition it it did end up killing her oh man um that was in 2016 that she passed away um very suddenly in her sleep Mm. and um 
yeah so uh, the book essentially is um just all her research about the golden state and she actually coined the phrase the moniker golden state killer before that he was called the east side rapist mm. um but then once they realized that he wasn't just in sacramento um she coined that phrase mm, i see um and yeah and it's just i'm not generally i don't generally read true crime um is that? i find it difficult to it depends it depends on is it too close to home or is it something that could be happening yeah, close like, to home i don't know for a while i was listening to that podcast my favorite murder which is like one of the most popular true crime podcasts out there mm -hmm. and i also listened to sword and scale for a while so i do consume it to some degree um but i don't generally read it um and yeah i think eventually i got to a point where i was like this is too much mm -hmm. negativity <laughs> for yeah. me yeah like in large <laughs> doses um so i just hadn't i hadn't consumed it in a while um but i had you know the hbo documentary is being promoted right now and i um i was like i know it's a book maybe i should read it first before i watch it and uh because it um it deals a lot with sexual assault i mean that's primarily what it deals with mm -hmm. um it can be difficult to read to listen to but she writes it in a way that is i wouldn't i don't want to say clinical but she writes it in a way that is just palatable enough mm. that you can get through it yes yeah, so it's just it's just to a level where you feel you you're a little bit removed enough that you can read it you can you can like it helps you it. it helps you understand the situation but it doesn't it's not salacious right right yeah uh-huh um and there was only a few times where i felt like um my threshold was crossed <laughs> <clears throat> um and i can talk about that in a minute but like so essentially the the east side rapist was active from the mid to late 70s to the er mid to late mid to early to mid 80s in sacramento in northern california <clears throat> and he essentially was <coughs> sorry um he was a prowler he was a home invader a rapist and eventually a murderer oh christ he didn't he didn't murder initially but eventually it escalated to that point um he generally um it was such a different time back then and i think i was telling you this the other day that because you asked like art do you feel freaked out do you feel unsafe do you feel are you sure you should be reading this right now <laughs> right, right and i said you know what i don't feel afraid because it's such a different time now yeah and you were mentioning something along the lines of now with the technology that's available we don't really have that kind of large worry was that the cat it's a cat jesus oscar he's like wrestling up there mm -hmm. um but with the kind of advancements with surveillance you know home security systems 
um, and even just general government surveillance or social media, there's a really good chance that you can curtail these kinds of serial events uh, just because of how connected we are. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. Like he, someone like the East Side rapist could not the East Area rapist. He was called the Ear. That's what the police the ear? Talk. Yeah, they called him the Ear. Why He's did they say the East Area rapist? E A R. Oh shit! I'm so stupid. I was saying East Side, but it's East Area. <laughs> um, and yeah, like something like this could not happen now. It's not possible. Yeah. He would have to not have a smartphone, not have a vehicle with GPS, not have any smart device on him. Not a, not a watch, not a phone, nothing. He would have to be a complete Luddite. Yeah. Well, maybe that's why you could look at it so clinically and why maybe the perspective is like that because it feels okay to approach to some degree mm -hmm. because there is that kind of distance like time the difference in time periods is so present mm -hmm. um i said it in a very confused kind of way but i just yeah, think the was, i just think the world is a different place now and it back in the 70s you know those communities in northern california were very small they were still fairly rural like a lot of those places had only had been like citrus groves like 10 years before you know, and a lot of those cities had like a lot of those communities had big population growths fairly quickly. Mm. And <clears throat> so it was just very small town mentalities. People didn't lock their doors. People didn't. Yeah. They trusted their neighbors. They let their kids play. That's definitely the mark of a different era. It's right? so different. Yeah. And this and nobody could have ever imagined something like that happening. And right. It just did not compute with people initially. <laughs> it just didn't make sense to people. Like, yeah. what do you mean he came into your house? Like, it's like, what do you mean he knew when your husband left for work? That doesn't like, make any sense. Yeah, you know? it's like, like um, the behavior. Yeah, it didn't just, it, didn't belong into the realm because no. I it was think so aberrant that nobody could could conceive could it. Could conceive right? it. Yeah. yeah. And now, because we're so self-aware and we're so, I mean, our culture is kind of steeped in true crime now. So yeah. it's like, you know, people are like experts on serial killers and experts <laughs> on true crime. So you know, you'd have like a whole community of yeah, like, like you can DIY get, detectives yeah, exactly. banding together. Like to laptop research detectives, you know, like Michelle McNamara. That's, I mean, she was, a, a you know, a legitimate writer and she, you know, she wasn't just like joe schmo on the street but to police officers she kind of was she mm -hmm. was just doing research from her laptop you know and and so this started as a blog right like yeah. she just out of her own curiosity decided to take on this mm -hmm. particular interest to try to get more information or was she like i'm gonna set out to solve this shit she um yeah so she had this blog that she started and um she did have she wanted to try to figure out she she would she said and Patton oswald said this too i don't care it doesn't have to be me that solves it i just want somebody to figure this out 
Yeah. Even if it's not me, that's okay. She wanted to contribute. Yeah. And... She's like, I want justice. I want mm. the truth to come out. I want to shine a light on this guy. Did she have any kind of uh, familial connection to no. any of this? Or it was just something fascinating, but yeah, just horrifying something... that needed to be resolved. Yeah. And mm. she, um, when she was a child, she's from Chicago. And I guess when she was a, a kid, there was a murder in her neighborhood mm. um, of a jogger. And oh. a very violent murder in a very small community. And it shook the whole community. Oh, yeah. And the it was unsolved. It never got solved. And Isn't that like the most horrifying thing you she, can think yeah, of? She said that was like a sea change moment for her. She was like 10 years old. Oh, And yeah. she didn't like discover the body or anything. Right, but, but she knew the kids who did. Yeah, but I mean, that's that's such an impressionable time. Yeah, when you look and it was at very violent. And... um. Yeah, she said that that was a moment in her life where she realized that sometimes bad things happened and nobody was caught for it. Mm. Like nobody was brought to justice to, for it. Right. And she said that that was something that just stuck with it her. Stuck with her. Yeah. And uh, so I think that was a lot of like the driving, the driving force behind her sort of like almost obsessive. Yeah. Um, pursuit of the Golden State Killer. So, having not read this, could you tell that it was written or compiled by several people? Or, yeah. I mean, it was, how was um, it kind of laid out? So, there were, like, different sections. So, and there would be notes, like, there's, like, an editor's note, like, this is an excerpt from this article that Michelle published in the LA Magazine, or... Mm. So, it was, like, different, pulled from different things that she either had published or that was a draft of something she was planning to publish. Mm. Um, and sometimes it was just... Um, so, and then after she passed away, it was just the research assistant, her husband... And a couple other people pulling together the thousands of files she had on her computer. Wow. To try to make sense of it and to finish this project for mm -hmm. her. Mm -hmm. um, so it was pretty clear for the most part um, when it was Michelle, because I think she had, I don't know 100%, but I think she had started writing this book. Mm. So some of it is her. Yeah. But some of it is, you know, unfinished or a draft or something that was published elsewhere. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's and it's a lot. It's a lot to it's a lot to unpack and it's complicated mm -hmm. um, and it spans a lot of years mm. um, because it was just from the time that the murders and the rapes were happening to now because he was just arrested a year ago. Or something about a year. Two ago. years ago, you said like 2017. Yeah, or I can't. I can't remember the year. Um, but. but you, um, you made me think about this real quick. Um, you, we were talking about this, I believe, yesterday. But I asked you if her book had a major uh, influence on the actual discovery of mm -hmm. of this this person who actually did all those things, and and you said that it wasn't likely or at least the police officers said that it wasn't they said there was no they didn't pull anything directly from the book that that directly led to his arrest mm. but they did uh, like the detective that she befriended and interviewed and worked with 
he did he did say that Michelle's blog and book um contributed to um this case be like staying in the forefront of of people's minds right you know like it didn't just fade into obscurity like it could have um because it was sort of kept alive by her yeah um so just the the spotlight that she kept on it Mm. was instrumental in uh in keeping people interested in it and keeping people like wanting to resolve it do you believe that though or do you believe that maybe the police officers didn't like they just wanted to save faces like we Uh, won't have a you know know somebody else do our job for us i don't think it's necessarily that because she had pretty good relationships in general with um Mm -hmm. detectives that she talked to and like you know people who were involved in the case directly Mm -hmm. so i don't think it's necessarily like to save face but i do think um detective work is so complicated and there's so much that goes into it that they i don't know that they could necessarily tie it to one thing that she discovered necessarily because even in all her research this guy that they picked up was never on their short list of people that they had looked at over the years Mm -hmm. um which is interesting but yeah so i mean i do believe that i i believe both things i believe that no not one specific thing in michelle's research led to the arrest of this guy but i also believe that her work was instrumental in keeping it in the zeitgeist yeah to the degree that it was still relevant Mm -hmm. um obviously something like that is always relevant to the victims to the police officers involved to the detectives who couldn't solve it for all those years yeah but it's a collective thing it's not and you know stuff like stuff like that gets lost in the general memory you know the the mm. pop, the memory of the of the of the general population and back then the world was not as global so you know if you lived across the country when this was happening you were not seeing that in your news mm-hmm. you weren't seeing the east area rapist reports in your boston newspaper like mm-hmm. that's not how the news worked back then yeah but the people who lived in those communities the way that Michelle describes the panic of those communities mm. is terrifying. Yeah. Like it really puts you in what it must have felt like to live in those neighborhoods that you knew, you you know, your neighbor got it or the, the couple across right. the street got, you know, well, it's like, like the people who got your back, right? Because you're, you're in a tiny Island, you know, in, in these smaller communities and, um, you really feel it when the people that that fend for each other start getting it you know yeah and it's um you know like people were buying floodlights and you know like the market for floodlights went like Just, through the roof <laughs> right. and people were sleeping with hammers under their pillows and Jesus. you know just like horrifying shit and um i can't imagine the fear that those people felt because it was it was just something that they couldn't comprehend. Mm-hmm. Like, how is this happening? Right. How does it keep happening? Yeah. You know, he raped like it was like 20 people in like less than a month. 
Jesus like, Christ, Just man. one after the other, after the other, after the other, and oh. they could not catch him. They couldn't, they, he was just always two steps ahead. And it just, yeah, Fuck, like man. I can't even imagine living during that time in those communities. It yeah. must have been just it's, terrifying. Just a nightmare. Yeah, yeah I a mean. A nightmare. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah, it's very scary. And, you know, it's, <sighs> I don't know that this work that Michelle McNamara was doing contributed to her death necessarily but i can't imagine it was good for her health i'm sure it was a lot you know emotionally. Like, and yeah. her husband kind of touches on that a little bit that she was obsessive about it and she was so inv- invested that you know her sleep suffered her her body suffered her mm-hmm. you know like she just wasn't able to take care of herself to the extent that she needed to because it was just so engrossing all the time right and she couldn't let it go you know and and i can under you know you can kind of understand that one track focus oh yeah um, but you know you hope that that's not the reason she's gone i mean obviously she had other health issues going on that were underlying that didn't you know she didn't know about but I can't imagine that it was, um, I mean, to be in that headspace for the 10 hours that I listened to the book was hard enough. I can't imagine living that for years on end. Just yeah, every detail, every grisly detail, every, just everything. Well, even, even the, the heavy burden, right? Where you feel like this is a lot of information emotionally and intellectually. You're trying to put the pieces together to something that is very disjointed that happened a long time ago and that is a, a again you know just compounded toll that yeah. is that is just eating you alive yeah i mean i i can see that being a a factor but mm-hmm. um i mean it's it's very sad but we also were were messaging like earlier this morning and just the aftermath of this whole thing is is devastating i mean as as sad as it was to to know right that she was not alive to see this person you know uh go to jail mm-hmm. um i find it more devastating that that she won't be able to be with her family mm-hmm. and like that story more than anything just breaks my heart yeah. like knowing that she had a little, you know, they had a little daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, how old was she? And she's like ten. She when when Michelle died. Yeah. No, she was like four. Oh God. She was really little. Yeah. And but little, but not little enough to not know what was happening. It's just, I I can't it's, even fathom it's that. Terrible. I mean, yeah, I it's I terrible. can't. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't dwell on that too much because I'll get mm-hmm. I'll get emotional. But, um, as a parent, you know, just when we heard that and like that happened to Pat and Oswald, you're like, Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. man. It's like, yeah. can't even imagine. Yeah. Can't even imagine that. Yeah. And, um, she has this, there's a part of the book where she, she wrote a letter to the killer. Just I, not to be sent or to be given to him, but just to get out her feelings about things. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it was sort of like, we're gonna get you 
like someone is going to get you, mm. you know, and it, and she was sort of um, naming off other killers who had been found out decades later. Yeah. You know, just imagine the the terror in those men's stomachs to hearing those boots come up the driveway and yeah. knowing they're coming for you after all that time. And uh, just things like that and just pretty much saying like, you don't live in the same world that you committed those crimes in anymore. And we are going to get you yeah. with technology and DNA. Like you're not, we're eventually going to be able to shine the light on you mm-hmm. and you're not going to be able to get away from it. Yeah. And, uh, and that's exactly what happened. And it was after she passed away, but largely I, I think her work contributed greatly to, mm-hmm. to him being captured finally. Yeah. But it's a, it's a massive story and I, you know, I don't know if I'll, if I'll read it cause it's, it's a lot, mm-hmm. you know, especially right now. I, I still said, I mean, I don't know how you're doing that right now because 2020 has been a fucking mm-hmm. dumpster fire and to pile that on there too. Yeah. Uh, the subject matter, the subject matter is tough, <laughs> but I also think that she deserves the attention because mm-hmm. of what she did was incredible mm. and you know with no criminal justice background she was just a writer who was good at investigating things and yeah. asking the right questions and um and i think that should be commended and you know yeah absolutely mm-hmm. well you know well we might come back when we watch the documentary mm. Because we will probably be watching that someday soon when I get some courage. Yeah. Um, but for now, let's leave it at a at a tank. That one gets a yeah positive. Uh, mm-hmm. Can you reach? Yep. Oh, there you go. That was sort of a half-assed one, but that's <laughs> fine. Um, do you want to call it? Did you want to talk about Christmas, or we can talk about that later? Do you want to talk about movies? Or do you um, want to call it? I think we we can call it. We just kind of okay. We could wrap it up here real quick. Um, I'm excited to keep going. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the next one's going to be episode 50. So Yay. I'm going to see if we can get Ashley and Chris to be part of the episode. Cool. Um, because I think we should talk about Hamilton. Mm, that's a good idea. So that's going to be coming up. We're going to see if we can connect with some friends and celebrate our 50th. Is it 50? That's what you just said. Shit, I'm tired. <laughs> uh, 50th episode coming up in two weeks, and we're going to be talking about Hamilton and some other fun shit with friends to celebrate this wonderful milestone that I'm very proud of. Yay. I'm proud Subscribe, of you. Subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. You're going to love it. Tell us. And email us. Yeah, email us at ourkidsasleep at gmail.com. Oh, we almost had that coordinated. Almost. We're going to stop recording now. But we love you and take care. Good night, guys. Bye.